Hello welcome to California PC 187 The podcast, 187 is the penal code in California for homicide. In this podcast we focus on murders that have taken place in the southwestern region of Los Angeles County known as the South Bay, Harbor Area and Gateway Cities. Aside from murder other grimy and possibly trigger some topics may be discussed such as rape, animal and or child abuse, torture and other types of crimes. The hosts might sometimes use language that could be considered offensive to some people. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, so here's the thing. Brett and I have recorded this episode called Kristen and Netta about eight times already. The last time that we recorded it, I was about 20 feet away from the microphone and it sounded like I was on top of the microphone. He was literally one inch away from the microphone and you still couldn't hear his voice. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. So because we've done it so many times, I know this story by heart. I'm going to provide a link to the resources that we used. I am going to say things that the judge said or the, or the things that, that were said um, throughout the story, but I'm not going to be quoting verbatim. So just to let you know that right now, because I don't have the information in front of me because my the other cell phone that I have the whole story written out on is, I, I can't find it. And I just want to get this out. So this is California PC 187, and this is the story of uh, Kristen McKnight and Netta O'Sullivan uh, from Rancho Palos Verdes, California. This is California PC 187. Did I already say that? I'm waiting for Dutch and Brett to return so that we can record. Thank you, and see you in a minute. Murder! Murder, murder, murder. You got away with murder. You got away with a So May 10th, 1984, I remember I was 11 years old and I came home from school and I, my parents always watched the channel seven news. And at that time in Los Angeles, the channel seven news had, uh, Paul Moyer and I think Christy, some, some woman named Christy, she had blonde hair. <laughs> well, I can't give the her name. Jerry Dempsey. I'm pretty sure was still in action. Remember Jerry Dempsey? Yeah. I okay. remember all that. Channel Do you 7. remember the music? Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was kind of irritating, but it was comforting. I like it. it. Was yeah, 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 for sure. It, it grew on me. Yeah, of course. just kind of like the train grows. Right, on me. right. Okay. I could listen to it now and I'd go, oh. Yeah, I know, right? So, um, and they were talking about two 11-year-old girls. I was 11, right? So, of course, it caught my attention. Two 11-year-old girls that had been found uh, beaten, beaten very badly. One of them was already dead, and one of them was sent to Harbor UCLA Medical Center where she was getting brain surgery uh, because she had been beaten in, about the head with a claw, what do they call it, claw? The claw hammer. A claw so, hammer. Yeah. And um, 
So it was very disturbing and very upsetting. And my dad got home from work. He worked at TRW. And for, you know, it was, it upset him as well. And so he came in with like the Herald Examiner. And um, remember that? Yeah, they don't have, my grandpa used to read that. It was an unbiased. <laughs> a lot of people read that. Well, because it was to tell the truth. It was, uh, okay, so he came in with the Herald Examiner. And he's like shaking it at me. And he's like, did you hear about those two 11-year-old girls? And I said, yes, I did. And he's like, he was very upset about it. And I think a lot of people were upset about it. And so this took place at the Ridgegate condominium complex in Rancho Palos Verdes and here's how the story goes is that Shala Shala Pav O'Sullivan she was a beautiful woman she was a registered nurse and she came here from India she had two daughters Audrey and Natalia or the nick as they called her by her nickname Netta and she met a man by the last name of O'Sullivan and she married him and they, he adopted her two daughters. So her, her two daughters, you know, uh, became Audrey O'Sullivan and Netta O'Sullivan. And somewhere along the line, they lived in Palos Verdes in a beautiful four-bedroom house. And somewhere along the line, it turns out that they could not get along. And so they divorced. When they divorced, Shala took her two daughters, Audrey, aged 15 or 16. It depends on which resource you read. Um, and Netta, 11, she took them to move into the Ridgegate, uh, what do you call it? Ridgegate condominium complex. So what this is, Brett and I went and did a recon. We wanted to just check it out and see what this place looked like. So we, we went over there and basically it's this big long block full of condominium complexes. Not all of them, obviously, by the same name or by the same owner, but each complex, I would say, has at least 200 units in it. So they're very big complexes. There's more than one, like I said, and it's like a mile long. It's huge. It's just a huge block. And it's really close to Torrance. So it's on the edge of Rancho, it's on the edge of Rancho Palos Verdes. It's not in the middle. It's, it's on the edge, nearer to Torrance. And um, so... Back then, the, each unit went for probably about $300,000, which was a lot of money back then. Um, now, the same unit will go for $800,000. And they also have a homeowners association. I think that's what... I looked up condominiums to see what the big deal was about them. And I guess they're, they're, um, people consider them an investment. I don't know. I don't really see what the big whoop is about them, except for the fact that maybe if you're older, you don't have to maintain a lawn because they have like a little patch of grass in front. There's like five swimming pools in the Ridgegate complex, but somebody else is maintaining the pool. It's just a lot of like not, you not you getting certain luxuries that a lot of people like to have, but not having to maintain it yourself. So you pay a $295 fee and you get to have access to these things, but it's community, you know, which I kind of, I don't, I'm not really particularly fond of community living, right? Yeah. Especially paying that much money for someone to tell you. Right. That you can't have purple curtains or that you can't, like, check your oil in your front yard or, in your, or by your garage. But nonetheless, so these condominiums are, they go from, like, two to three bedroom. I think, actually, I think one to three bedrooms. And they have anywhere, like, from a one-car to two-car garage. So they're nothing to, like, you know, shake a stick. I mean, they're, they're pretty good. 
They're pretty nice, right? They're all right, but I mean, I yeah, mean they're for Palos Verdes, right. they're like, I mean, they, 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 I think it is called complex. They're not, I don't, whatever. It's a it complex. Yeah, it is a complex. And they, it, it's it's gated. It has right. a security guard right. gate thingy. Exactly. In the front. When Dr- Brett and I drove by, we saw several different guard shacks, but we saw nobody manning them. No. The first four were empty, and then the last one. They were all empty. Two. Yeah. Um, but this was 10 p.m. at night. But nonetheless, if you want security, you're paying for security, right? right. I, I would think it would be 24-7, yeah. but I guess not. Well, I don't think that security was very We should go by during the day to see, like, yeah, what's up. See what's, see what's going on with their <laughs> They have a security breach because obviously there was a security breach in 84. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, okay, so because they were divorced... Um, and the, I would, so I'm going to talk briefly about like the whole divorce thing. Like, so in the 19, in the late 1970, in the, blah, in the late 70s or actually in the, whenever the women's, women's rights movement happened, that's about what they blame it on, about the time that they blame it on. Um, women and men started getting divorced from each other. Whereas before they, they called it like the, um, I forget what they called it, but they called it a movement. Um, in this article that I read, you know, like there was this kind of a marriage ideology where you stayed together for the kids or you stayed together as part of an arrangement or you stayed together no matter what. Like no matter what, you gave your vows to God and to your family and to each other and come hell or high water, you're going to stay together and if anything, it's for the kids, right? So in sometime in the 70s, um, people, both men and women, were wanting to seek out their independence and they felt as though there was something missing within their lives. And so there came this new strain of people and ideology about getting married for uh, soulmate, soulmate purposes. Like you get married because you're feeling it, because you, you, you're meant to be with that person. And so a lot of people got divorced because of that. And they're seeking their soulmate. And insofar as I can tell, it hasn't really worked out that well. Just saying. All the children that I knew when I was growing up in the 80s whose parents were divorced which was very few by the way even in california it was a freakish thing to for not freakish i don't want to say that but it was odd to know somebody that was a latchkey kid or living in a single parent home because their parents had gotten divorced it was very rare it, it didn't happen often and, and a lot of my friends that i know now or that i see on facebook their parents are still married or their parents died married like my parents did so it wasn't that common, but it was becoming more common. And because of this, uh, a lot of people said, well, well, what about the kids? You know, And the school of thought was, well, kids will be more happy if their parents are pursuing their own happiness. But I don't think that that was the case. A lot of kids found themselves as latchkey kids. And it, that wasn't the latchkey kid thing wasn't necessarily because of divorce, because a lot of times married people would end up having latchkey kids because the woman ultimately felt like she didn't wasn't being fulfilled by staying home, and so would therefore either go back to school or go back to work. So nonetheless, children found themselves coming home to an empty house. And, sorry, the term latchkey kid came from World War II era, where um, men were going to war, and women were having to go to work, and so therefore kids were having to stay at home. They were having to get themselves up in the morning to go to school, and they were having to let themselves in at night, and they called it latch for the door latch, and key for, you know, the key, and usually they put the key tied on a string around the child's neck, or they hid it somewhere outside the home, and the child would let themselves in of the into the house, and if, let's say it was an older kid, 
The older kid was obviously in charge of everybody else, had to make the dinner, had to make sure everybody got their homework done. So the oldest kid usually became the parent, um, you know, the surrogate parent in lieu of, you know, the parents being there. So that is where the term originated, and it really became prevalent again in the 1970s and 80s. I'm not so sure how many latchkey kids there are anymore, because I think that um, the whole daycare industry has, has kind of taken that over. Like, I, for honestly, my parents used to leave us alone when I was like eight, and my brother was 10 or 11, all the time. I, I, I don't see where that would happen today because too many people tell on other people. Back then, it wasn't a bad thing. It was like nobody was telling or anybody saw anything wrong with it. Lots of people did that. You know? Do you know what I'm talking about, Brett? Yeah, we're, you know, yes. I was going to say something, but that's, <laughs> I want to get through this. Say podcast. it. You know, I was just going to refer to nothing. Never mind. It's not. We'll, Dude, I'll really? Say, I'll save it for when it really it was really important. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Well, I do. All right. I do, okay, I so do. let's go on with the story. Yeah, I relate to it. So there was the two latchkey girls, Netta and Audrey. Uh, down the way, a couple of uh, condominium complexes down, there lived a boy named... Uh, Kevin Earl Hindmarsh, and he was 16, same age as Audrey. They were in the same grade. He went to Merrillest High School, same as Audrey. I don't know if Audrey always went to Merrillest or if she had to sign up, enroll in Merrillest because of the move. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking that the move probably occurred, like they stayed within the same area so that the girls could continue going to the same schools. I think the difference was that now they had to take the buses or the, there was something different because Audrey, the 16 year old, she met Kevin Hindmarsh at the bus stop uh, over by their respective condominium complexes. He lived in a luxury condominium complex a couple, uh, couple blocks down, like I said, with his father and his stepmother. His father and his mom had gotten a divorce years earlier. And there's no, there's no mention of his mother anywhere. So I am assuming that that has a lot to do with his problems and that his mother was an absent mother. I don't know why, but she was. And so he started acting out and he was a loner. He was angry. He was, he was just like, like if they had emo back then, he probably would have been emo. He, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he just was a, a, a hateful, terrible, bratty, like creep of a kid. Yeah. And his stepmother, she didn't know what to do. She couldn't take it. So she was very kind of like emotional and I'd say nervous, a nervous type. And she she took to just beating him. <laughs> that's well, not funny. It's but... not funny, but that's what she did. Well, you know, she didn't know what else to do. Yeah. The dad, it seemed like, so he would, he would take himself to school in the morning, get himself up and go to school in the morning. And he would bring himself home, always alone, never had any friends. And so he was always inside of his own head. I don't know what he was doing inside of his own head, but it couldn't have been good. And she would get home about 7 p.m. at night, and his dad got home much later, if at all, I think. I don't know what they did for a living, but... Anyway, so he basically was raising himself. And he was lonely, like I said. And he met Audrey. And I'm... You know, when I picture Audrey, for some reason, I don't know that she looked like this, because there's no pictures of these people on the Internet at all. And I've looked, trust me, everywhere. Another weird podcast now. Um... I picture her looking like Natalie Wood did in that movie Rebel Without a Cause for some reason. I just picture her being very pretty. Audrey. Um, very pretty and outgoing, but also with kind of with an edge. Um, 
anyway, so she met him at the bus stop and he developed a, a hardcore fascination with her. Like he just couldn't stop thinking about her. And this was, um, on Sunday, like before, before Easter, Easter in 1984 was on Sunday, April 22nd. So I'm thinking they must have met probably 21, 20, probably May the 19th, Thursday the 19th, April 19th, something like that. They met around that time and he became obsessed with her. Now, between that day and May 10th, they ran into each other or saw each other, spoke to each other a total of five times. And this is even though they went to school together. So she probably met him on the bus stop, had a great experience or whatever. Maybe she was just so excited, you know, because she was in a new place, a new home. And she just was um, wanting anybody to, like, show her the ropes on how to take the bus. So she was being super friendly. I don't know. Hmm. But... After that, slowly but surely, she started to realize that he was a creep. And she found alternative ways to get home. I think to avoid him. So, uh, they're thinking that he had something, he had developed something called erotomania, which is an um, unnatural, well, Sigmund Freud describes it as being like um, latent homosexual tendencies or something like <laughs> that, like anger from that, to where you can develop like uh, false ideas well, ideas about people that aren't true like delusions of of love and, and happiness with somebody that doesn't even know you exist kind of thing you gotta suppress those homosexual tendencies so much <laughs> i mean it's, they're so driven right? yeah i see it and like, the example that they used in wikipedia was um john hinckley jr who tried to kill uh our president ronald reagan in 1980 was it for, uh, in his mind, Jodie Foster, because he had developed this crush on Jodie Foster, and he believed as though they had a relationship. He had never and, met her before in his life. No. He, he went to go try to try to meet her one time, but, like, you know, the security guards at the movie studio or wherever it was turned him away. Right. And, They're keeping me from her. Yeah, or, or even that guy that killed Rebecca Schaefer. I don't know what his name is, but uh, he also had developed, like, some, like, mad crush, right. some crazy ideology about this person that absolutely did not exist and that the other person did not reciprocate. Right. What was, um, that, what was that singer from Iceland? What's her name? Uh, Jibba Jork? I don't Someone know. Someone crazy and tried to shoot her too or stab her. Really? Yeah. Also that, that one, that one um, tennis bomb, player, right? t Teresa Sel... No, no. There was a tennis player too. I forget what her name was, but he stabbed her like 17 times. Like she was the top tennis player, like in the eighties. And this guy was in love with her, quote unquote, and he fucking stabbed her. Huh. And she, you know, she had, it took her a while to get, you know, go to, um, uh, rehabilitation yeah. and, and physical comeback? therapy. Yeah, she did. I'm not sure how well she did after right. that, but wow, that's crazy. It is crazy. You know, her PTSD must've been off the charts. Yeah. Tennis and tennis love means nothing. Well, you know what? And then I was talking about John the other day with PC, about PCP, about, <laughs> <laughs> about, um, no, I wasn't talking about P-O-D. PTSD. And he yeah. said that only, he said, brain broke. No, he said that only Vietnam veterans get that. And I was like, yeah, because that, okay, that, John. Yeah, only you, you can be. Uh, there's other traumatic fucking episodes. <coughs> I'm sorry, but I'm. Yeah. I mean, He's like the, one of those old yeah, school only people. Only I can have it. <laughs> only we can have PTSD. It's our disease. It originates area. from yeah. us. And, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to argue with you uh, about that. <laughs> doesn't the PTSD affect the mind and you know the sense of the mind? Is it anything traumatic? Yeah. Come on. Okay, so anyway, so we digress. So um. On May 8th and May 9th of, two, of 1984, um, 
The O'Sullivans had called the police and reported that somebody tried to, or it appeared as though somebody had tried to break into their home. They'd only been in for a month, by the way. They'd only been living there for a month. So they already had a break-in. Palos Verdes. Yes. Or an attempted. They said attempted. Attempted. Yeah, Hmm. they didn't say that. Can I have a cigarette? Yeah, maybe they did. They didn't say that anybody actually broke in, but that somebody attempted to. Right. Okay, so on May 9th, um, you know, Kevin went to the bus stop. So Netta got out of school. See, this is look at this. This goes into the next day, though. Brett, listen. Netta and Kristen got out of school at two nineteen p.m. So Netta, Audrey's younger sister, Uh she was eleven. She went to Dapple Gray Intermediate School. Yeah. It was a private school. Yeah. And she went there with her best friend. There was Kristen Joy McKnight. Her road dog. Yep. Yep. And Kristen is from Rolling Hills Estates. Mm And Dapple Gray, of course, you know, that's a prestigious high-end school. Yes, absolutely. It's closed down now, but as well as Merrill Est High School is also closed down. But so Dapple Gray was about 5.4 miles away from their home. I would say something like that. And uh, Merrill Est is about five miles away from the home. The, the, um, I sound like that one, dude, the home. From, um, (laughs) from, right, from, um, from the, 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 condominium complex community uh, <laughs> what yeah so look at this is what I, I just now thought of this when I was about to say this was it so the girls Kristen and and Netta they got out at 2 19 p.m. Uh-huh. every day and that's because usually younger kids get out earlier than okay. older kids right. so the high school got out at 2 43 p.m. or that's when that's approximately the time that Audrey got out every right. day so I don't, you know, so I'm wondering how it is that Kevin saw Netta at the bus stop. Right. Good point. Right? Yeah. Didn't think of that before. Right. But anyway. Yeah. Because um, it gets thicker. The whole thing yeah. in our speculation so, can get so crazy. So Kevin saw, he was looking for Audrey, mm-hmm. but he saw Netta at the bus stop. Right. And he gave her a note that said, Audrey, stay home tomorrow. Uh-huh. I'll be there at 9 a.m. Okay, so Netta completely forgot to give her sister the note. No big deal, right? Maybe. Right. She forgot to give it to her. Right, she just slipped her mind. Okay, so the next morning, May 10th, their mother, Shala, she got up. She went to work earlier than they went to school. They got up, and they got themselves ready, and they left for school at the same time. Because even though school gets out at different times, it generally starts at the same time, at 8 a.m. Right, so they go into separate schools, but they still leave at the same time. Yeah, they, they start, yeah, absolutely. So they went in, and they got on the bus stop. And then Netta was like, oh, yeah, here. Well, actually, before they left the house, according to Audrey, Netta was like, oh, yeah, here. Here's a note that that dude gave to me for you. And, you know, it said, Audrey, stay home. I'll be there by 9 a.m. Right before they go to the... And Audrey was like, whatever. You know, (laughs) she was like, I'm not staying home. So she just kept going on to school. Meanwhile, now the first sighting of Kevin didn't appear until 11 a.m. by the security guard, by Mm -hmm. some security... But, excuse me, by a security guard. But I'm pretty sure, like, I'm just speculating here, but I'm pretty sure that he stayed up all night fantasizing, thinking, oh, my goodness, like, this is going to be the bomb.com. She totally loves me. We're going to meet. We're going to just, oh, this is going to be so great. And yeah. I bet you he was there at 9 a.m. So, yeah, he was 16. He was there knocking on the door at 9 a.m. Maybe he had yeah. flowers, like, alfalfa right. with, like, a little, right. little um, I... 
No, with his little, you know, what is that thing that alfalfa has in the back? Oh, I don't know. It's this pointy, what? the pointy hair thing. <laughs> the alfalfa. What do they call those? What do yeah, you call those? I don't know what they, what are they called? I've never even heard that. I didn't even know there's a name for them. We have there to is. check it out. Okay. There is. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, he's yeah. there and he's like, wait, yeah. he's like, oh, dude, to do, do, this yeah. is going to be yeah, so great. Yeah, he's like, get up to skip. Right? <laughs> and so she's not there. <laughs> so by the time 11 o'clock a.m. rolls around, the security guard noticed him because he was agitated. He's like freaking out. He's like running around the apartment complex. And the he, the a security guard catches sight of him walking down the walkway because in, in in complexes like that there's all kinds of walkways and twists and turns. It's, it's very look. Brett and I have delivered food to places like this, and it's very difficult to find to find where you're going. Look, Dutch, go. Oh yeah, that's Palos Verdes. There's and the, no there's, any place like well, that any that has place, like yeah, two hundred, four hundred, like freaking units you know right. in the parking it's, yeah. it's a nightmare so there's this you know. these walkways you know that you can go down for a cheeseburger and, and pet fries anyway so they twist and turn and stuff and um so the security card caught they caught sight of him and followed him he saw him walk up to the O'Sullivan door and knock on it and then then put his ear to it like oh. he was trying to hear something inside and then he saw him go to the window knock on that and peer inside now, that's really nosy, weird shit, right? Yeah. So then he was like, hmm, doesn't say anything to him quite yet. Yeah. Then he, he sees him uh, look around, all sketchy-like, and then walk to the back of the building where the garages are. And then the security guard catches him, or w observes him, climbing up, I guess, the side of the building. Because these are flat buildings. Like, Brett and I, went, like I said, we went and looked. There's nothing really to hold on to. You know what I mean? There's nothing. Right. I don't looks, know how he like did this. It's like hard to you know get in or whatever from it's, the roof. It's part. flat. Yeah. It's yeah. flat. The roof. The roof is. The roof right. is flat. Everything's flat. You might want to exhaust your efforts and go like in the basement or something if there is one. It's almost like you the, need like the, the, under the palace. That mountain climbing gear where you just get a hook. Yeah. Hook oh yeah. And you, just, you go. <laughs> and you pull up yourself and then you up. Pull it up like SWAT. <laughs> right. I don't know how he got on the roof, yeah. but he did. And the security guard watched him do this, and then then it's only then. That the security guard says, "Hey, what the fuck yeah. you doing up there? Yeah. Get the fuck down! There, but... get, get down from yeah. there!" Hey, and he's like, "Oh, okay." So he gets down, and then the security guard is like, "What the fuck's your name? Who are you? What are you doing?" And he's like, uh, "Oh, my name is Kevin Hinmarsh, Hinmarsh, and I'm I, I'm I'm here to see Audrey." Yeah. And he's like, "What? Who? Uh, Audrey? Who?" And he so he describes her, gives a physical description of Audrey. And uh, the dude's like, you know what? You need to get the fuck out of here or I'm going to call the sheriffs. I'm going to call on you. You should have called right away. I know, but this is the thing is that the security guard later said that there's tons of kids that live in these community, this, these condominium communities. They go back and forth. They all know each other from school. If he were to, like, get on every kid's ass that was roaming around apartment co or a condominium complex yeah. that they didn't live in, then he, the sheriffs would just have to be posted up waiting for him to, to notify them. So it's like that, you know, it's that bad. I see your point. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so he, the, the security guard, he's pretty sure that the, the kid left. I mean, he doesn't think someone's going to get killed or anything like that. No, he yeah. did not think yeah. that. Yeah. So, so he he's pretty, and he's pretty sure that the kid left. Yeah. You know, he's an authoritarian. Right. Yeah. The kid left. Right. He's gone. At noon, the postman, the mailman, he saw Kevin over by the O'Sullivan residence. And he identified him later in a police lineup. So then Kevin isn't noticed or seen or nobody reported that they saw him until 3 p.m. So he's, he's really not caring if he's getting noticed. Really. I think that he, I think that his brain at some point, when she wasn't there at 9 a.m., this is all my, 
my speculation that at 9 a.m. when she wasn't there and he realized she wasn't there. Oh, he went into snap mode. He, yes, he, just, he went into a mode where he yeah. was not even probably aware, aware of his aware, own yeah, self right. he to be even, sneaky. Yeah, to be even around him. He was just thought he so was telling So yeah. where was the security yeah. guard between 12 and 3? Yeah, see, this is, there's, some, there's some time things going on here. Yeah, the security guard quite, wasn't on top of it like he thinks he was. Right. So at 3 p.m., Kevin is observed by a 14-year-old boy at the swimming pool. Now, there's five swimming pools in the Ridgegate Community Complex. And he was at the swimming pool closest to the O'Sullivan residence. And a 14-year-old boy, I guess either he was home from school already or he stayed home from school. I don't know what he was doing at the swimming pool at 3 p.m. <laughs> Maybe he was home school. Yeah. Um, but he was there and he saw Kevin. He said that he was wearing black or dark pants, dark blue jeans, and a dark blue hoodie. This is May 10th. Hmm. Yeah, this is back in the 80s. Who wore hoodies back then, really? Well, you, you were know, an athlete. Yeah. People did wear hoodies, but then again, like, who wore them on May 10th? Yeah, but mostly. Uh, dude, that's when spring is coming. It's hot. Right, it's hot. Definitely up there, too. Yeah, okay. Cool. Right? It's yeah. not It's not hoodie weather. Yeah. So, but anyway. So, yeah. the kid noticed him. He's like, who's this freak? Yeah, you know, because he was probably acting, like I said, weird. He was probably maybe un had uncontrollable movements right. of his yeah. body. Fuck. Yeah, there was something that about... Yeah. Yes, exactly. There was something about his body Fuck. and his movements that people were noticing him yeah. all of a sudden. Things were going his way. He wasn't getting his way. For somebody that had a, had a way of being invisible yeah. and going unnoticed throughout right. most of his life, which is probably why he yeah. was so angry, one of the reasons why he was right. so angry, here he was just being noticed. Right. He was, he was sticking blast. out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So he was in mode. Right. So that was at 3 p.m. Um, that day, Netta and Kristen got out at 2.19 p.m. And they got on the bus because Kristen was Netta's best friend, like I said. She was yeah. from Rolling Hills. Her parents were Alan and Karen yeah. McKnight. And she had a sister named Brenda that she lived with. And uh, she went, sometimes she went home with Netta, probably to keep her company. Yeah, well, I mean, every time you talk about Netta, you always talk about her. She's with them while they're road dogs. Yeah, they were yeah. best friends, yeah, and besties. probably to keep her company, you know, until her mother got home or until her sister right. got home. I mean, because one of the things that it mentioned that latchkey kids felt a lot were was um, fear and isolation and loneliness. So, you know, so she had a friend to go home with her. Uh, Audrey got out of school at 2.43 p.m., and she got on the bus. Okay, so at 3 p.m., Kevin is noticed at the swimming pool. Um, at 3.55 p.m., so this is a whole 55 minutes later. Whole, yep. At 3.55 p.m., the same 14-year-old boy, I guess he was still chilling by the pool, he saw Kevin go into the bathroom. So I guess all of these bathrooms, mm -hmm. these community, community swimming pools, have their own bathrooms. Yeah. They have a male and female, men and women's bathroom. Probably pretty nice, too. I bet you there. Yeah, you got a little private door closed. Yeah. And, and probably little showers, you know, because yeah, you know, some people like to like to shower off before they go in and out. Right, of, it's uh, not like an open pool. shower where you use all these men. No, it, it might be an open shower yeah. just to get the chlorine off of you, not to take right. a shower. But I, I'm sure there's probably like two or three ones that are private, you know. Maybe. Maybe one to sit down for a uh, handicap or whatever. Okay, so anyway, so he saw him go into the bathroom. The 14-year-old boy saw Kevin go into the bathroom. Right. At Audrey got home from school between 3.55 and 4 p.m. And when was he in the bathroom the second time by the boy? He was in the bathroom. He was seen the second time by the boy in the bathroom at 3.55 p.m. So he was going to take a leak? I don't know, Brett. Oh. 
Anyway, yeah. so Audrey walked in, and the first thing she saw was her sister Netta dead on the floor. She knew for sure that she was dead. She, I guess, she grabbed the phone because she called the police. She called 911. And she said what I said that she said there's blood on the floor, there's blood in the, the fish tank, there's blood all you know all over. Please come help me, do something. Right. And, and then she went out to go meet the police. The police, sheriffs, and the um, the first responders, the fire department, the paramedics, they were there by 4:10 p.m. 4:10 p.m. Now this is a very short period of time. So look at around 4 o'clock p.m. A security guard from two complexes down, or you know, wasn't the complex that Kevin lived in, but right. it was one on the way to back to his uh -huh. house. After the bathroom. Yes, after the bathroom. Uh, knew him, recognized him, and, and exchanged greetings with him. Hi, Kevin. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah. And then Kevin kept going. Yeah, he and, pushed on through. Yes. And, and Briskly. I, I guess because um, the first responders were there, Netta was dead. Netta was dead. She had, um, later on, the coroner reported that she had nine, nine uh, wounds to her skull, fractures to her skull from the claw hammer. She had been strangled to death. She had burns on her back and her shoulder. Wow. And her pants were pulled down. Oh. So she was naked. Like, she was naked. Right. The waist down. Uh, they were pulled down to her ankles, yeah. and she was raped with the claw hammer, anally. She was anally raped with the claw hammer. So, I guess the stepmother of Kevin, wasn't her intuition about him being some creepy was wrong. I don't think so. Yeah. So, but let's just listen. Okay. Let me finish. So, Kristen was, she, she, she appeared to be dead, but for some reason, I mean, she must not have appeared to be dead, because... Because Audrey was like, no, Netta's dead. Like, she told she told first responders that, but she didn't say anything about Kristen. Kristen wasn't dead yet. She had a blue T-shirt stuffed in her mouth, mm. and she was clinging to life. She'd been hit about 17 times in the skull, mm -hmm. and that's it. But yeah. she'd also been raped anally with the claw hammer. Um, so it's as though, you know, like, because the person strangled Netta and burned her, it was like... You know, they tortured her a little bit. I don't know what happened. Yeah, this is, I get uncomfortable with this one. Yeah, I do too. There's a lot of things I want to say. There's a lot of opinions, a lot of beliefs I have. Yeah, but, well, what they theorize is that he went back and forth, like, between the two girls. Um, and that probably Kristen watched her friend die. So he binked the friend. <coughs> he binked Kristen and shoved a... She was probably freaked out. She shoved probably, a t-shirt in her mouth to get her to stop screaming. Yeah, obviously she was screaming. Or she got loud at first. <laughs> But you know what's so crazy is that none of the none of the neighbors report having heard anything. Yeah, there's at least one scream. Or something. Nobody heard <laughs> anything. Right. So. So um, huh. anyway, by by mm, by seven o'clock p.m., maybe six thirty. Uh, Kevin heard detectives outside of his. They heard they, uh, they heard them. He heard the radios. He said, so they go and knock on the door and they're like, you know, Kevin, we'd like to speak to you. And he's like, I can't speak to anybody until my parents get home. Wow. Right? That's what they said. Freaked out in there, or what? He had to have been. I don't think so. He was just they said that he seemed kind of uh, sophisticated and mature, and that he right. had dealt with the police before. He knew exactly what to say. He knew that as a minor, <coughs> excuse me, 
He knew that as a minor that he did not have to say anything to them unless a parent was present. And just as somebody that was under suspicion of something, that he didn't have to say anything unless an attorney was present. So here's the thing, is that why would he even think he was under suspicion of anything anyway? Yeah, he didn't really... He, do you know, he's got no stealth. I think that he wanted to get caught. Yeah, and plus he's a, he's a cocky little shit, what he is, too. Right? You know? So they made, he made the, the detectives wait. I don't know if they detained him. I don't think that, I don't know if they could detain him. So he made them wait until his mother got home. He said his mother. That's what he referred to her as, it was his mother. And, um, which is fine, you know, I get it. But at the same time, his mother, this this woman, like, m- wants to make it clear <laughs> in articles that she's his stepmom. Yeah, the stepmom, yeah. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? But he's he calls her his mother. I wonder if she ever said, you know what, I was right, I knew it. I, I knew think it. she probably yeah. did. I think that both of his parents kind of did because as soon as his mother got home, she talked to Kevin, and they both immediately, if not sooner, gave detectives gave permission <laughs> to search his rooms, yeah, like ASAP. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sorry, even if I did think that my son was a monster, I might, you know what, be like, excuse me, but no, call a lawyer, I don't right. know, do something. Because, I like, wouldn't just get a search warrant, do right. something, but you're not coming in here. Yeah. You know? you got to defend not. a little bit. Absolutely. Then, she did absolutely nothing to defend him. Right. Let him go, let them go in the room where they found a pair of white Nike tennis shoes that had blood splatter all over them. And it turned out that the blood was consistent with yeah. Netta's and Kristen's. Okay, yeah. Because it's blood the, old, type. the old blood on the knife in the trunk in the room. And well, there. on the way home, he had taken... They were they didn't have shoelaces on them. And they asked him where the shoelaces were. And he said, I don't... He threw them away. They never recovered the shoelaces. Yeah, it was making they, a belt or something. I mean, they must have been covered in blood. Why did... See, this is the thing, too, is that... Like, if he... He knew that the police were at the door. So, unless they had him handcuffed waiting for his mother to come, right. why the fuck wouldn't he run around and throw that shit out why well, i mean because he didn't care but you know when you get blood on shoelaces it's hard, hard to get them out dude why wouldn't know? he have them in the washer them why wouldn't he do be doing something Just throw them away you to burn them or they'll, whatever they'll go in the trash for crying yeah, out loud somewhere far but you know right he, dude throw them on the roof you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you're just going to sit in there and just no. wait and just have be sitting on top of evidence? Like, yeah. the guy just, he's just a, uh, I don't know. he's ridiculous. And I think it's because he wanted Audrey to know that, hey, I did this and I did this for you. Okay, so we're doing on that speculation. I think that, you know what, I think a lot of things. And Okay, well, let's, okay. okay. So, well, what do you think? Because when she, when Netta gave her the note, it was like, oh yeah, we're going to go to the bus stop, so I better give it to her now. You know, because he's going to go, you know, she might see her. You know, he's she's uh-huh. a little bit nervous in it. I think she held the nut back because she... I think that Audrey talked a lot of shit about him. I don't think that she... I think she knew because it was a, there was a break-in and, then she's, and they knew he was creepy. So why, why wouldn't they say, well, maybe it was that dude? Why wouldn't they... They had to have thought, well, if someone's trying to break in... It was, I think that he was maybe caught. Something happened that we don't he know He was about. seen. There was something... But I just don't think she liked him. I mean, I mean, maybe he wasn't that good looking, or maybe the fact that he was such a creep made him even uglier. Maybe he was cute, but he just looked like a, a jerk, oh, you know, yeah. with his creepiness. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand about him now, I pretty much feel like he probably had done something to the family pets. I mean, I don't know. He just... And another thing too, the he's, night before he was, he wasn't sitting there fantasizing how much love and roses. I stuff. think he was. He was, in, he was masturbating all night to the and he was. Yeah, just, but to him you know, that was love. Right. Well, yeah. So to him that was love. But because he, that's the other thing is, is that you don't understand is that I found an article and that, that mentions this story and what it said was that um, sex edu- it was about sex education. It's a really uh, weird uh, article, yeah. but 
That's about sex education and how it's inappropriate. Like, this was 1984-ish around that this article was written, but it was saying that it was inappropriate the way that they're teaching sex education nowadays, Mm -hmm. that they're teaching it too early, and that a lot of times it gets children stuck in certain stages, and that and an example would be Kevin Hindmarsh, who was stuck in some some phase of sexual development where, like, they stay at home and they're on the Internet and they're watching porn. They're by themselves. They're latchkey kids. They're inside their own heads. And they start to, to develop all these weird freakish fantasies. And then they want to act them out. And they prob- that probably wouldn't be happening if we didn't talk to them so or let them see such bold uh, visions or, or <coughs> excuse me examples of sex acts happening like they don't need to see the stuff that they see in video games they don't need to see the stuff that they see on cable they don't need to know about these various things well i mean i'm just yeah, saying that that's you know, true and so then therefore a lot of kids get this fantasy life yeah. they see this stuff on television they see it in the video games yeah. and then they start fantasizing about it they find an object of desire they develop this erotomania where they're freaking out thinking that this person also like the person smiles at them or maybe the person just looks out of the corner of their eye not even looking at them but they just right. think that they are they put all these associations together where they like they, they're driving in the, in the car with their mother and they see like a license plate that says I love you or say oh that must be Audrey like, right. you, know, you know what I mean like they just have all these weird ways of putting yeah. two and two together that do not equal four they equal like 98 dude and you're crazy yeah you know so yeah I yeah, he I suffered from that yeah so I think that he I think that maybe some one time at the bus stop that that um Audrey probably scolded Netta or did something that made him believe that Audrey didn't like his sister right or that his sister was a pesky little sister which right. little sisters are i know i was a pesky little sister yeah and so he felt like in the same way that hinkley felt like he was doing something by shooting the president right. he felt like he was doing something for audrey if i kill the president yes and so he wanted to be found out she'll see he me. wasn't trying she'll to me, hide it she'll fall in love with me and i'll get her yeah, I don't think, and I, but I also at the same time don't think that he meant to be there when Audrey and Kristen got there. Right. I think that he meant to be there when, wait, when Audrey, when Netta and Kristen got there. Right. I think that he meant to be there when Audrey got there, only the little girls got out of school first. Yeah, he didn't take that into consideration. No, yeah. he didn't. And yeah. I think that he probably, when he heard Netta's voice uh-huh. and saw her, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining that he was upstairs and he was probably in Audrey's room when they came home. Yeah. And he heard the little girls talking and he came to the top of the stairs. This is what I'm speculating. Yeah. And he saw them and he said something and they're like, what are you doing in here? Get out of our house. Get out of my house. And he, I think he might, I'm not sure if he already had the gloves on his hand yeah. because he got the gloves that, that he used. That he had yellow dish gloves on, yeah, plastic that's dish gloves. Weird too. And he we'll had, <coughs> excuse me. And he had, um, he had the claw hammer and he yeah. got those from underneath the kitchen sink. Right. This Both of those hammer. items. I, like I said before, I always keep a claw hammer, yellow gloves, plastic, rubber gloves. Well, Brett, they just moved in a month right. earlier. They might have been painting pictures. Right, sure. Okay. The right. dish gloves are dish gloves, right? Yeah. Um, I don't use dish gloves. I'd rather just use my own hands. But... I always use that when I use the hammer. Dish gloves. No. <laughs> <laughs> just shut up. 
So I think I'm I'm think I'm wondering if he if he if or if he kept control enough of the situation to where he went and got them. Right. Like I mean, because he got just them one of those from under, can, because oh, he had they're... already broken into the house a couple right. times. Right. I think that that three hour period where the the security guard didn't uh, run into him again, I think he was inside the house. Right. Snooping around. Okay. I'm you know taking it, inventory, getting to know where right, everything exactly. was. Establishing. You know, so I think that he knew exactly where that claw hammer was. I think he and probably, I, probably masturbated in every bed and couch in that whole place. No, probably just Audrey's. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that he. That he, he, when he heard Audrey's voice and then she was being flippant to him, like, get out of my house, you know, which of course she has a right to be. Hello, you're not allowed in here. Who are you? Go away, creep. Right? That he got angry and he said, you didn't give her the note, did you? Right. Oh, yeah, I did. But you didn't give it to her. Why is she not here? No, I, you I, liar. You know what I'm yeah, saying? She would have met yeah. me here this morning. She yeah. would have been here yeah. at 9 a.m. And, yeah. he, you know, and he just, he, it just, he just escalated from there. He flew into a rage right. and he, he murdered them both. Because he might, cause, Kristen cause she, just so happened to be there. And right. that's unfortunate. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that he killed Audrey too, for crying out right. loud. It, it, it's like, it could be, there's different situations, scenarios we could think about. Yeah, he might have been upstairs, but I think he was waiting for him. I don't think he was waiting for those two right. girls. I think he was waiting for Audrey, right. but not to kill her. And I think you're right. I think it was a, there was a there was a, a confrontation where mm-hmm. she probably wasn't so alarmed because she thought maybe well maybe he's here because she, they are here because she probably wasn't so alarmed because he because, was a, another kid, right? Even and though he knew, was five years right. older, and he was still just another kid. And they're thinking, well, maybe she did want him to be here. Maybe they are meeting, you know. And then they and he didn't give him the note, and that's what it started. Yeah. I think the note has a lot to do. with I think the, the note has a lot to do with the a two. lot. Of his anger, though, yeah. and his, but he was already delusional, and I believe that if, if it hadn't have been Audrey that he fixated upon, it was going to be somebody, and okay. it, it might have been other people in the past. Right. So he didn't. And, this is the first time he did this. I think this is the first time he killed somebody. Right. Exactly. We we. I, but I, think, I believe that he developed these these right. weird, creepy obsessions right. with he, he, others. He, yes. Yeah. He did all kinds, of, and they just they were just there. They just never they just never I, rose to the surface. They never yes. festered. No. Yeah. Or they never. Nothing, yeah. Right, they can never can I be polite, the, yeah. please? Like, so, I've, I think I've asked for one ten times. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay. So, um, anyway, so, he, so the police arrest him. And they arrested him, and they took him to the Lameda Sheriff's Station. And they didn't start questioning him until 10 p.m. So, like I said, like, if it was my kid, I'd have either gone in the cop car with him or made the, the, the police let me give him a ride over there. Right. Or I would have followed them in my car i don't care about your procedure and your authority I, i'm saying when it's my son i'm going with well, him. i was just gonna make sure that i'd make sure that i was with him he was alone right. for three hours in the police station you have a father or parents you don't let your what 16 year old son go in the next something like that Maybe. my whole point in saying this is that i and they, when they, they did finally come they didn't bring a lawyer and they basically just waved all miranda rights and so he gave a confession but i just feel like they gave him up. I feel like they just wanted to get rid of him in a way. Right. So they at that point, he, they just kind of, that was like. And he, that they knew. They were just waiting. They were just like, it was like a ticking time bomb. Like right. they, just, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they knew it was going to be something right. bad. So we can either say, I can either, this way I can lean towards the, the shame and, and like, wow, he must sadness for him. Or, God, he killed people. He doesn't deserve to have any kind of shame mm-hmm. or sadness. So a year later on his birthday, which was like February 13th, 1985, his 17th birthday. 17. He, by, uh, what was it, Judge Cecil Mills of yep. the Torrance Superior Court. Hang him high. Well, you know, the, uh, it took the jury three days to deliberate. And they found him guilty on all charges. They found him guilty on two counts of California PC-187 yeah. murder and... Uh, California Penal Code 289, which is 
molesting or raping children under the age of 14 with foreign objects. Yeah, that's sick fuck shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's double whammy. And they waited for his birthday to... Give him his birthday present. Yep, absolutely. Boy. People were disgusted by him. So a month later is when they did the sentencing, and the the deputy district attorney, I don't remember his name, but he, um, it'll be all in my notes, and then if you want to read up on it, you can. I'll have a link to all the articles that I found regarding this case. Um, anyway, this he said he said one. they should. He said, as far as I'm concerned, he should just be gassed. <laughs> but since he is a child, I don't want him to be tortured or anything like that. So. The deputy district attorney and the prosecutor both um, recommended that he go to California Youth Authority, but the Judge Mills said, no, 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 no. He said, this is a psychopath and a fucking weirdo. No, he didn't say that. He said, he's a psychopath. (laughs) And and, uh, I will not, for one day, it is absolutely preposterous that I, for one day, burden the children of the California Youth Authority with the likes of him. Right. Not for one day. And so he sent him, bam, to freaking men's jail. Yeah, he sent him straight to the... the, Yep, straight to men's jail. Yeah. He does not get to go to California Youth Authority until he is 25. He is going straight to prison. Yeah, you want to act like a man, you're going to beat a man. Right, so he got 72 years to life um, because in California, they do not... it's, It's illegal or it's prohibited to give a child, someone under the age of 18... Um, the death penalty or life without parole. So his parole date is what it's been about 35 years, right? Yeah. Be 17 years old and go to prison for 35 years. You definitely are going to act right when you get out. I would think. So, you know, in looking him up and, and, uh, Googling his name and all that stuff, I came to a Facebook page. It's like called freedom. Yeah. The picnics. That's what got this whole thing started. <laughs> and you know, it is. We're supposed to be doing it. It's supposed to be easy, simple, quickie. Well, so he is candidate for parole. And he's a part of some freedom group. And, you know, it's like all this congratulations. And it's people that were young who committed murders who have gotten paroled or who are looking to get parole. They get to go to a picnic every year, like like in a free park, like in Bellflower or something like that. Yeah. Somewhere. Anaheim. I don't know exactly where it is. They found God. They have like a car show. Like an oldies car show, and they get to have their family there, and they have picnic, and they have mm-hmm. Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they barbecue, right. and they take pictures. <clears throat> They're all sick fuck murderers. Well, maybe not all of them. Okay. Some kid, some people at legit could have just made a mistake or something, maybe self defense. I don't know. Yeah. But I know that I believe that he is somebody that if it escalated in that short a period of time, from hello to I'm bludgeoning your right. sister and her friend to death. Yeah. I don't believe that he should ever get out. Yeah, because this is the whole thing about this the, uh, the clinical um, diagnosis of a person is that you said that they, they, they get sick with it, and he definitely got sick with it quick. He did. We set, established that. So I did. There's some. I guess you are into something because I don't. I didn't know about this disease that he has. And there's a reason why his parents were like okay and just gave him up. Yeah. So they and you know he, she started beating him for some reason and she knew it and, and when. And they also didn't have, they didn't bring it, they didn't give him, get him a lawyer. Nope. They didn't stand up for him. Nope. You know? They didn't, there's go, they some, didn't drive down to the freaking 
the station no, for him. No, uh, no one was sticking up for him. Very, at all. it's very sad on the one hand, but the, on the other hand, it's kind of like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, what I do can't you do? help but be feel sorry for him sometimes in these, you know. But he just was driven. I give him, you know, credit for his discipline and his little, you know, task. But oh, please, really, Brett? You know, he that was, is so gross. I don't mean, I that. don't mean it was good. That really. They, we can go two ways with it too, with the uh, with the uh, with, with the sister. Don't even go there, Audrey. I have That's speculation gross. on her too. Like, well, we're just gonna leave that out. Okay. Because yeah, because I the the thing that I trip out on is how. But I was talking to a friend yesterday about this. I said I don't understand how. You know, the timeline. But then again, the timeline is just the timeline. And that's kind of speculation, too. Like, nobody knows. Nobody was looking at their clock and going, well, it's 3.55 p.m. And I saw, you know, like, come on. Like, that 14-year-old boy had a fucking watch on, and he knew it was 3.55. Well, but yeah. look it. Yeah. So she gets home between 3.55 and 4 p.m., Audrey. And so did, did did they just miss each other? I don't know, but I think we're onto something. I think there's or more to the did, story. Or um, yeah. did she run into him? Right. Or did he go out the window? Well. Was there a back door? Maybe through the garage. I don't know, but that's odd. I have unanswered questions, and I'm not going to sleep well until I figure. You know, we, we need to go to that picnic, or when he paroles, we need to figure out. We need to get an interview. With He's him. not going to parole. Okay, we need to find out some stuff, mm. and he needs to answer some questions we have. Okay, so we're finally done. Hopefully, this sounds okay because I am. Rest in peace. Yes. Natalia Netta O'Sullivan and. Um, Kristen Joy McKnight, you would have been 47 this year. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you missed the the, the Summer Olympics. Mary Lou Retton um, was great. Yeah, I saw the torch. I was brokenhearted when Kristen died. My dad came and told me the next day uh-huh. on May 11th that she had died. She didn't make it, and it broke my heart. And it, you know, um, yeah. So it does hit home with you. I, it does hit home with yeah. me. Yeah, I went. We went to the uh, cemetery today. I wish I could have found the. Uh, we couldn't find them. But I did find one. That, I did find a tombstone, a grave site that was really and caught my eye, and I was able to do some stuff. And I took a picture of it. It was really neat. He found some buddy of his uncle's. Ah, uh, whatever. Yeah. Some he, motorcycle he, cop from the yeah, LAPD. Whatever. He said, "Look, look." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, you made that up. I say, "No, I didn't." <laughs> Uncle Bob. It said. <laughs> it said um, Nelson. Grain injury. Yeah. Grain I think he was motorcycle uh, cop. Yeah, and he was in World War Two. He was a uh, he was a bomb bombardier in a. I said anyway. Korea. Oh yeah, Korea. I'm sorry. Yeah, Korea. Whatever. You know, he was in one of those planes. Whatever. And, and they came home. They were all bikers. They brought them to join the Hell's Angels, and. They were into the Hell's Angels, and they were LAPD. I don't know if he was a Hell's Angel. Sounds hokey. All I know is you brought up that thing about what was it? Um, the the girl that was in that uh, movie, the uh, Rebel Without a Cause. What was her name? Natalie Wood. Yeah. That was good. That was good. I just thought about that, and I was going to say something. But Okay, we're babbling now. Okay, no. So, I like thank that. you very much for listening to our podcast. This is California PC 187. And don't let the sun shine for you, hell's angels for life. Oh, you better stop. <laughs> Not. Yeah.
feel so near California, all the senses clear.